What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fractal Exploratorium. I am your host, DJ Brule, and I'm joined by a special guest today, my dear friend, Dylan Westbrook. Hey, what's going on, guys? So this podcast is going to be it's going to be a little different than most of them, a little less formal, a little less hard science, and more just fun and games with friends. So absolutely, uh, Dylan is a well-traveled person. You could call him, yeah. And we'll, we'll he's, he's been to a lot of places, and I kind of just want to talk to him about where he's been, what he's done. I'm uh, also joined by my friend and audio engineer Nick Tantillo. What's up, guys? Happy to be back. So we've all been longtime friends, so there'll be some stories of personal experiences we've had together. So We were actually in a band together. Yeah, yeah, there's that, yes. too. We started a band together. We all went on tour, <laughs> yes, too. Oh, my gosh, wow. I forgot about the tour. Yeah, kind of a shit show tour, but... Yeah. Thinking Very about, much so. When I think about that tour, I think of two <laughs> things. The first thing is cracking. First thing is, like, cracking alcohol. The type... And the second is that stupid license plate fiasco. <laughs> Basically, Dylan here yes. is obsessed with Alaska and all things nature. And uh-huh. he insisted right. that he take his extra Alaska license plate and shove it into the <laughs> like <laughs> mechanism of our U-Haul that opens up the door. Um, and he got us stranded in the middle of nowhere, California. Uh, Tulare. <laughs> Tulare, California, uh, or something Tulare, like that. Tulare, California. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. This beautiful, beautiful uh, open place of yeah. California. It was beautiful if you weren't <laughs> stranded. <laughs> so I was speaking on the, the license plate for, from Alaska. Uh, Dylan's always been kind of obsessed with going there. So Yeah. Uh, and you moved to, you lived in Fairbanks for how long? I did. Um, I was only there for two months. Um, I was working at this job in uh, outside of Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, it was about 56 miles outside of uh, Fairbanks to the northeast, and um, I was working at this place called China Hot Springs. It was a hot springs resort out there, and uh, a spectacular place to go check out the northern lights if you've uh, never been to Alaska and are really wanting to go out that way and explore. Well, I mean, if you want to go see some of the best Northern Lights viewings you can see in the world, then I would suggest going to China Hot Springs. Have you ever seen them? I have. Really? I, I, I have. What's it like in person? Because you know how you, see, you always see pictures and videos and stuff, and you can kind of get an idea. Is that <laughs> what it's like, or is it undescribable? It's pretty much undescribable. It's uh, one of the experiences you have to see with your eyes. You know, like pictures don't do it justice, and oh, man, seeing it is you don't know what that it's really happening when you see it and you're just like wow what the heck so, is so that is, is there like wow. a, a kind of scale part of it because in the pictures i feel like it doesn't capture the full scale that's what i'm saying like yeah. if you turn around it's like all around you is what exactly. i would imagine and it, it, it sometimes is sometimes it's just right overhead it really depends sometimes you can't even see them um but most of the time they're they're actually happening but it depends on how strong they are the flares. Yeah, because they, they happen all the time at all twenty four seven. You just can't you can't see them exactly. Just too it's too bright out. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that's why Alaska, you know, uh, the well, the best time to visit Chena Hot Springs to see the Northern Lights is in the winter. Uh, it specifically um, any time between um, well January to uh, April. Uh, usually, I think the strongest time is in April. Um, and that's when you can really get the best viewings. So pretty much right now in this month, we are in April. You, when were you there? Well, I was there, uh, man, when was I there? Well, I think I was there from November to January. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and ask. Wow. That was not good. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what the Northern lights are. You know, I mean, obviously I've seen it online and whatnot, but... Well, you know aurora. the technical term for it? Borealis. No, see, I don't know. Is it aurora? Aurora borealis? So I know Boom. it's an aurora, but I mean, what exactly... So, so, Can you explain well, it, Mr. Okay, Nerd? okay, so what it is is that <laughs> our, our planet has something called... <laughs> so our, 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 our planet. Our planet has what's called a magnetosphere, and the reason we have that is because we have a metallic core that's churning inside the core of the Earth. And that metallic core produces a magnetic sphere around our planet. So a lot of planets have these. Uh, Jupiter has an extremely strong one. Oh yeah. Saturn has an extremely Saturn. strong one. I mean that aurora is uh, you know larger Incredible. than the size of this Earth. Yep. And what happens is that solar winds are ionizing into the atmosphere. So this occurs at what's called the ionosphere, which is about a hundred thousand feet up, 
so it's, the, it's the higher sphere. It's way up there. Even uh, satellites in low Earth orbit are in them. And what this actually does is it protects our planet from getting bombarded by solar flares. What he said. <laughs> That's generally what I say on this podcast when Deej talks. <laughs> well, it's, no, it's true. Yes, it yeah, is. And, yeah, and it's necessary for survival because the, one of the things about Mars and why it went extinct is Mars didn't have a big metallic core. So it wasn't able to produce a magnetosphere that was extremely strong. And the solar winds blew most of the atmosphere away. That's what's theorized to have yeah. happened. So it's necessary for life. Very the, crazy. The magnetosphere? Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. Is that why we can't live on other planets like well, you just mentioned? Yeah. It, well, it would, probably, it, would, it would probably blow away our atmosphere and it would create a really cold planet and we would have no electronics. We would have zero zilch. Because yeah. even now we can experience solar flares that can knock out our entire civilization. Mm-hmm. We could uh, that would devastate us overnight. It could happen any time. We wouldn't know it. All of a sudden, your electronics and everything would just be dead. So <laughs> very wild. Uh, d- very. D- doomsday fat to the day. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're not already scared, <laughs> but um, there is precautions we could take to do it. Uh, this is something we'll talk about in another episode because it does have to do with architecture. Yeah. So, Dill, when you were in Alaska, just sticking to that, when people talk about Alaska, they're talking about the actual wilderness and how it's real wilderness and how it's not, you're not messing around out there. It's, it's very real. Oh, um, yeah. You growing up here in the, the suburbs and the city and whatnot, yeah. was it as much of a shock to you being out there than you thought it would be? Were you ready for it? Was it what you expected or was it not what you expected? I mean... Maybe just walk us through how it's different from where we live now here in Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, well, since Alaska, you know, was on my later later part of my journeys, I kind of got used to living out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> a few times um, before that. So, you Yeah, know, why don't you take us back to where you first started your journey then? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I first moved out of uh, Phoenix here uh, to... Um, place called uh, Dillon, Colorado, up in Summit County. Mm-hmm. And Dillon moved to Dillon. <laughs> that's right. That is right. Um, it's uh, a beautiful place. Uh, amazing. What's uh, the elevation of it? Oh, I think it's up at just below 9,000 feet. Oh, wow. So it's like 8,000 something. Oh, it's there. still pretty high up. Oh, very high. Very high elevation. And uh, it's incredible. A lot of ski resorts around that area. Um, and everything's just, it's awesome. I mean, it's a very expensive place. But it's uh, nature-wise, it's beautiful. You know, there's uh, 14 pe- fourteeners everywhere. You know, uh, four- that means fourteen thousand foot peaks. For anybody who does not know what fourteen, yeah, means. I didn't know what a fourteener is. <laughs> there you go. Uh, another fun fact there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, it was incredible. You know, it had a beautiful reservoir. They called that Dillon Reservoir. It was a <laughs> big lake. It would freeze over in the winter. Oh, it was a beautiful lake. Did you go Just out incredible. on it? You can. I did. I went out there. On, I went out there on the lake did and. You? Uh, this guy was out there kite snowboarding. Kite snowboarding. What, what is that? Well, you have a big, pretty much like a big wind sail, and uh, and it's like a parachute, and you're throwing up in the air when the winds are blowing across that lake. And, and you hold on, hold on, Dude, go around. Wow, how fast do you think you could get going? Oh, very fast. Um, I think he was going probably. Well, not very fast. Like you can't go on a downhill. It depends on the wind. I'd imagine if you're snowboarding on ice, the edges My of gosh. your snowboard sort of act like a skate, <laughs> you know, when you're kind True. of carving or whatever. True that. But there was snow. There was a lot of snow in the lake. Oh, really? So, yeah, he's, he was on snow. Oh. Yeah. There was all, the whole lake was covered in a couple feet of snow. Um, and, yeah, I went out there several times, actually. I went out there. And it had a couple feet of snow, and then I went out there when it was just ice. Uh, <laughs> that was very interesting. Uh, looking down through the water, like wow, you know, just looking down, seeing nothing but just a bluish oh, green. Dear. See, that freaks me out. I think ice just freaks oh me my out God. in general. Oh yeah, I looked up snow tiding, and it's insane what people are doing. <laughs> They're getting crazy air and stuff. Yes, that's exactly wow. what it is. It's very that's cool. that's There's that's really cool. That's on. really freaking cool absolutely so um yeah so i was there and um i got a job up uh, working at a ski resort there called the rapaho basin a basin for all you ski lovers <laughs> out yeah. there i hear that a bay is eh, I eat. it's uh yeah you know i i i wasn't uh i wasn't a major fan i i liked it uh but there was other places i liked a lot better um 
one of those places was uh, this place called Keystone, which is right there off the US 6. Yeah. It goes up the Loveland Pass. Beautiful. Uh, it's a great resort. Um, you know, they have night skiing, which is fun. You know, when you're with your buddies, you want to go out there, ride at night. You know, after a long day of working, at least you get a little bit of time to ride. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Yeah, I guess it would be important for people that are listening to know, since we, did, you know, we didn't really preface this, that Dylan snowboards a lot. Um, yes. You're very, uh, very well traveled in the snowboarding community. You've That's been true. working at different, you know, mountains, doing lifty operations and other, among other things. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's important for people to understand, well, to too. kind of understand what you do. And I mean, I, I like snowboarding and I've definitely been to different places, but I've never worked there. I mean, Dylan yeah. is such a adventurous soul that you actually go move to the places. So that's right. Thank you. Uh, yeah, man, absolutely. You've done everything from well, snowboard instructing to uh, supervising food and beverage. So keep taking us through the journey because I have some follow-up questions that I'd like to ask, you know, yeah. once we kind of finish where you've you've been. So yeah. first you went to Dillon. What happened after that? Yeah, I was there. Uh, I worked at A Basin. Uh, I stayed until uh, from October until May. Um, and then, I, you know, I was thinking about staying around there, but I was like, yeah, man, I got to keep this ball rolling, keep, keep moving. So that's what really started it. Um, I ended up going to uh, – got this place on uh, – coolworks.com it's like a it's a job um exploring job seasonal job website where you can find jobs um all over the place if you haven't uh, heard about it you guys uh it's called coolworks.com is it kind of like linkedin uh i'm not really sure not no really sure. you haven't used LinkedIn? I, I've, I've have a linkedin actually but no it's it's not like that it's it's a little bit different it's similar but different. This is like where you can pick a state, you can pick a national park, and you can go find jobs mm-hmm. and you right. know, apply for them. It brings them all into one spot. It's not so much like a social media, more <laughs> exactly. as it's like a, a kind of like a, a, a place for jobs yeah, to come. Like a job database. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. For I mean, there's plenty of them. It's like an Indeed. Now, <laughs> yeah, Glassdoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've used Glassdoor. Oh, yeah. So let's keep it rolling because yeah. I have a few follow-up questions. So where'd you go next? So I uh, ended up going to this place called Gunflint, uh, Gunflint Lake um, in Minnesota. I remember this one, and this was a summer job, right? It was. You were a dock boy? I, well, I, was a, I was a dock boy, that's right. What does that even mean? <laughs> Basically, you're out there uh, serving them up, all uh, the people. <laughs> serving them up. <laughs> a dot jockey. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I, well, for starters, I sold bait, um, helped, uh, you know, more people's uh, boats and, um, and uh, pontoons, um, you know, whatever, fishing vessel, canoes, stuff like that. So you'd help people uh, that are coming in getting gas. You also filled up gas tanks. Um, we, we rented out boats. We had a whole line of boats. We had like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight boats around the whole dock slip. And then, um, what we would do is we would maintain every boat out in the slip and we would put gas in them and, you know, so just uh, like a lot of day-to-day operations. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Day-to-day operations, just doing things like that. We would rent out canoes and kayaks and paddleboards to all the kids. Man, it was a blast. But the, this, this is a big part of Minnesota's economy, too. Oh, for sure. Because yes. it's the, the, the land yeah. of what, 10,000 lakes, they say? That's right. And actually, there's more than 10,000. Yeah. It's about 11,000 or so. Thing. There's a ton of lakes, but I don't that's imagine right. that that's a huge part of the workforce. Oh, yeah. There there's no way that's real. 10,000 lakes. Oh, of course. You want to see us on Google Maps? Wisconsin has more. It's riddled. Just the neighbor next door, man. They have more. That's crazy to think about that sheer amount of lakes because Uh lakes are, you know, they're small. Some of them are small, but I mean, to think about that. Well, Well, the the reason a lot of them are there is because the um, the glaciers back during the ice ages, when they receded, they would gouge out large parts and then they would deposit all the water in there. Exactly. And so it's basically carved out by giant glaciers that came down and receded. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Same with uh, um, all the areas up there, uh, all of Canada. If you look at, you know, if you look at um, Manitoba, I mean, Manitoba up in Canada, that whole province has some of the most beautiful lakes, but has a very high count of lakes up there. That, in the that's, world. Where the, that's where the butt the hatchet takes place. 
Oh my really? Gosh, up in really? all those lates up there, if anyone's ever read the classic book, The Hatchet. Oh, no, it's up I there haven't. in all those thousands and thousands of lates that they have up in Canada. Uh, it's insane. Like Lake Winnipeg. Very big lake. Huge. Water is crazy for me to think about because they have, you know, there's these humongous natural lakes, <laughs> like, you know, all over just, you know, America, not even. And surrounding America, not even talking about the whole world here. Yeah. And a lot of these aren't even, you know, ocean lakes. They're actually just standalone lakes. And it just, Absolutely. It's, it just behooves me to oh, so think talk, about her. Talking about lakes actually leads me into an interesting fact segment boom 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 it's actually perfect to talk about is this the fun so, fact of the day and this is the fun fact of there the day there you go guys so, insert cue jingle fact. cue whatever. that jingle here baby <laughs> cue that jingle here so speaking of lakes i don't know if you've ever heard of this phenomenon but there's the phenomenon of the exploding lake <laughs> lakes that literally turn into a explosion fireball so there's been a couple of rare cases of of this happening uh, of, of lake explosions does this have to do with the gaseous nature of some lakes or? yes um it, it, it does it has to deal with um so it's called a um limnic eruption and wow. it's very rare natural disaster in which dissolved carbon dioxide suddenly erupts from deep within the lake's waters, forming a gas cloud around it. So it does a couple things. It suffocates wildlife around it, as well as causes massive tsunamis because of the uh, amount of exploding that happens. Could you imagine just being out in the middle of a lake on a (laughs) paddleboard and just see it starting to explode and light on fire, and you're just like, oh, this is not how I imagined my life ending. In in Alaska, they had one of the biggest walls of water ever created, one of the largest tsunamis ever recorded, and it was was hundreds of feet high. You know, in like the natural disaster video you see, like not I like actually, a movie, yeah, where the world's ending and a massive tsunami happens. Yeah, yeah, that happened in this lake up in Alaska. Yeah, I'm sure Dylan knows all about yeah. it. I, I do. I know which one you're talking about. Um, I actually lived in one of the locations of one of the biggest tsunamis uh, ever, and that was in Valdez, Alaska. Valdez wiped out yeah. the whole town, and you and you lived there for a while. But that was a, that was a yeah. seismic tsunami. That was. This we're talking about something. I'm else. talking about a landslide that yep. happened in a lake, yep. and it compressed all the water because it was a small, yeah. narrow passage. Yeah, I, re- I and remember. And it pushed all the water past this high up bank, like basically over a mountain. Insane. So I mean, the people that were there Holy. must have seen a wall, Ugh. a wall of water, something out of like a, like I said, a natural disaster movie. Well, the end of the world's happening. Apocalypse that's crazy. movie. So, um, back to this lake. So, um, wow. one of the one of the main lakes that's done this is called uh, Lake Nios, and it's one of the most known lakes for having this happen. And where is that? Uh, lake Nios is in like Africa somewhere. Oh. I, I'm not exactly yeah. sure where where Africa. it is. Very interesting. Never been to Africa. And uh, so, so yeah, very. Yeah, yeah, it's an African lake. I was double checking that. I wonder if the Africans eat Vegemite. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't well, think that's a- <laughs> Vegemite. Hey, mites, <laughs> come uh, on and eat one. some Vegemite with a mite. <laughs> you really should turn that into a commercial. You know, I I should come up with a jingle with that. If anybody wants big. to run us up on that idea. Yeah, don't you steal it either. Yeah, yeah. Vegemite, if I think it's come sponsor my podcast. <laughs> yes, oh, man, please do. That would be a sponsor <laughs> diversifying into Australia, it, mate. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Minnesota, I actually got a fun fact about it. You know, Oh, no, you're, of, not, you're taking over my fun fat segment? I am. <laughs> I come to steal your show. Okay, but well, that was basically the end of that. Yeah, cool. Look it up sometime. Definitely. Um, land of 10,000 lakes, right? You know, on the Minnesota license plate. Uh, well, I've had one. Um, but anyway, it's saying that there are 11,842 lakes of 10 acres or ton. more. So that'd be over 10,000. That is over 10,000. They should of call it 10 land acres 11, or more? <laughs> do, you, do you know anything about the folklore? Yes. Behind how the lakes were created? So there's more lakes than that, but those are just of ten acres. That's right? huge. Ten acres is huge. <laughs> it's very huge. Sorry, DJ, what were you saying? So have you so have you heard about the folklore 
back in the day how people believe the lights are created? No. You, you've never heard the story? Well, I know that they're from the glaciers. By the, um, I, I forget the name of it, but it's the, it's the giant. They believe there was a giant in his ox. Oh, Babe the Blue Ox. Yeah, Babe the Blue babe Ox. Babe the Blue Ox. That's and right. That, and that his, yeah. his owner and the giant got in like a massive fight. <laughs> or like, just like roughhousing, that's you know, right. playing around. And then that's what created all the depressions. You know what? And uh, I've been to that monument in Bemidji, Minnesota. Good old Bemidji. Do you know the name of the dude I'm talking about? So you know, ba- the, the, of course, Blue Paul Ox. Bunyan. Yeah, Paul Bunyan. That's it, Paul Bunyan. Yeah. You know, I never heard that one or read that one. Of you know, it's a big Minnesota folk tale, folklore tale. I mean, it's kind of like James and the Giant Peach. Oh, oh. wait, that was a book. It's <laughs> <laughs> a book. <laughs> well, how I heard about Paul Bunyan is they had these folklore stories when I was a kid, like in a in a movie. It's like Huckle Finn. Yeah, and they would show a whole bunch of folklore like that. Deej, do you remember when you used to watch V for Huck Vendetta Finn. religiously? I still watch v that for show. Vendetta. Are you kidding me? Wow, what a good <laughs> That show is freaking amazing. The movie? comments even better. That show. Right. Movie, I'm talking yeah, about the movie. Movie. Yeah, yeah, the movie is, is really good. It is very interesting of a movie. Wow. Um, so anyway, yeah, well I worked up in Minnesota. Um and I was working on the docks, and they basically had us doing everything. I mean, running around there, doing all this stuff, like getting the trash, and from all the cabins, dot we had to bitches. do everything. Oh, yeah, hey, we you were. So you had to wear a oh, lot of dot hats. Bitch. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Had to wear a lot of hats. Had to do a lot of different things around that place. Um, um, and whatever the owner wanted, um, basically we did. And you know what's interesting is that the owner there, Bruce, uh, Bruce Kerfoot, uh, was the Kerfoot family that actually uh, owned the place for a long time. His mother um, bought the place back in, oh, well, I forget what exactly what year it was, but I believe it was either the 20s or the, the 19-teens. And um, basically, t- you know, just uh, turned it into a great lodge destination out there uh, as a wilderness, um, wilderness uh, you know, adventure place with cabins and, uh, and outfitters. Um, and outfitters uh, are, you know, um, basically people who go out there and um, explore the lakes by canoe. You know, sometimes when we think about these lakes and these different towns and these ski resorts and whatnot, we think about them now, but we ignore so much of the past and so much of how it got to where it is. Absolutely. And that's not yeah. only to say how the land got to how the land is, but the different families that had to own these places and cultivate these cultures Absolutely. and these towns and stuff. And, and we tend to think about, you know, a lot of what's happening now rather than the past. Mm-hmm. So for you to kind of think about that and looking back to the twenties and the teens and stuff, well, it's yeah. just an unbelievable, you know, if it's still around today, it's an unbelievable kind of feat. Absolutely. You know, before that, it was all the voyagers. You know, they would uh, haul things up and down through all those lakes. Um, all the voyagers, um, a lot of French, a lot of people from France, and they were there. And France. France. <laughs> so when you, say, when you say voyagers, you mean people exploring? Exactly. Like Columbus? Explorers. Uh, he's Clum- someone I mean, like that. Columbus wasn't technically <laughs> an explorer. Columbus was a dickhead, I heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can judge him by your, his time period. Well, uh, he know. wasn't as bad in relation to other people the national park of voyagers uh up there in minnesota basically around those lakes it's uh near international falls so so Very Dylan, awesome i, I have a awesome. i have a question about these lakes so yeah uh do you know anything about like the invasive species or like the state of the natural flora and fauna in these lakes you know actually yeah there was a, a big thing with the uh, Minnesota DNR that you know we actually put up signs. I was handed signs by the DNR um, that we had to put them up around our lakes. Can you explain what the DNR is? Uh, the DNR is um, um, basically um, what we have here in Arizona. Um, it's a Department of uh, Natural Resources. Okay, and they, you know, they they do everything uh within that field of protecting wildlife and invasive species and uh making sure people are playing by the rules and so what is the state of it down there because i know there's zebra mussels and a whole bunch of other invasive species in all those lakes um well um i don't know a whole lot about it um but i just know that they really wanted us to uh 
um, be on a lookout for, you know, for that and, you know, to make sure that people are doing the proper things to, uh, you know, take care of uh, wildlife and everything. Okay. So, um, so you, but actually, you, I, I do have a few things. Um, there are, well, let's see, Minnesota, you know, has um, a lot of zebra mussels, like you said, um, Eurasian, you know, water milfoil, common buckthorn, um, emerald ash borer, things like that that really get in there and are not, not good at all for for the area. They're not supposed to be there, and they really do harm the lakes. So what native fish are in most of these lakes? Well, there's a, there's quite a lot. Um, Probably like northern bass. Yeah, exactly. A lot of smallmouth bass, a lot of northern pike. So you caught a wally. Lake trout. I did. A lot of walleye. There's good walleye up there, good walleye fishing. Uh, um, and then, uh, let's see here. Well, It's kind of like Wisconsin, bluegill. I imagine. Exactly. Because I, used to, I grew yeah. up fishing in Wisconsin back yep. in Mercer, Mercer, which is like the deep, 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 deep-ass lakes and forests. Yeah, you said bluegill? Bluegill, yeah. There's some good little trophy bluegills out there, so actually. That's actually kind of interesting because bluegill is what's used in a lot of aquaponic systems, sustainable mm-hmm. aquaponic systems. So That's awesome. Uh, think about that is a sustainable fish that could be cultivated yeah absolutely on that land absolutely there's um there's, a, there's some good bluegill out there um i never caught one myself but this guy came back with a huge massive cooler full of trophy bluegills it was incredible um there's a lot of good size uh, lake trout out there lakers what they call them lakers <laughs> lakers you know what's you know, cra- that's what's crazy lakers comes from minnesota I think I've heard something like that. For the LA not, Lakers? Exactly. That yeah. originated in Minnesota. It was originally the Minnesota Lakers. Now, when you kind of speak to the guy coming back with the, the trophy bluegills, yeah. you know, it, it kind of reminds me back to my cousin um, who lives in Illinois. Uh, he's a professional fisherman, and he, I mean, he's always out there in Wisconsin doing contests right and all on. this stuff and like writing up blogs and, or not blogs, but for newspapers and stuff. And, Something that's so crazy about what he does is when you go out there to Wisconsin with him, there's people that literally use the same exact rig, the same line, the same reel, the same rod, the same bait. They (laughs) use the same everything. They go to the fish at the same spots. They go the same type of day. They follow them around, yet he pulls hundreds of fish out of the water and they don't. Dude, it's all about the feel of it. It's just incredible because some of those people out there that live there can go out and they just have the feel they know what what to make it look like in the water absolutely everything about what they're doing and it's their craft and they could come back with a batch full of trophy winners and you could have gone to the same spots and come back with nothing i mean i'm (laughs) sure you've seen that happen absolutely all those guys out there are are just that is their life they love fishing i mean that is what they're i'm i am no expert fisherman i am not even i'm not good at all I don't claim to be a good fisherman. Those guys out there just, they, you know. It actually takes talent. sleep fishing. It takes a lot of talent, actually. It, it really takes does. a lot of talent. It also takes a lot of research and time. I know yeah, that Corey, he, he knows all of the lakes. He lives in Everything. Illinois, so he's in, he goes ice fishing in Lake Michigan. Oh, he, oh, I mean, yeah. he goes everywhere. Yeah. And he knows where to go down to the damn, like, GPS Insane. point and, like, how deep and what Fish time finder. of year. I mean, I think it's a lot of <laughs> knowing and researching. No, yeah, Absolutely. it is. Well, something yep. I didn't know is it we is. went to uh, Lake Pleasant down here in out of Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, and we, I went with a professional fisherman one time on their on their boat. Me and John went, Ooh. and they did something was called bed fishing. So what you do is you you pull up your boat with the trolling motor, uh, the trolling motor, and you, you you pull up to the side of what is called bass beds. Ooh, and they protect their beds. Meaning that if you drop a lure down on it, they see it as a threat to where they're laying their eggs. Because these beds are where they lay their eggs during uh, mating season when they're when when they have to lay their eggs. They gotta lay them in a safe place, and (laughs) one of the parents stays behind to watch them. And even if they're not hungry, they'll attack the lure because they think it's a threat, and you can visibly see them. And you can see when the bass goes to suck in. The lure, when it takes a big, you know, gulp of it, that's when you pull on it. Really, and you can visibly see it, and wow, that's cool. cool. I, I never would have thought to ever think about doing that. <laughs> yeah, as a uh, complete, it's like almost complete opposite of 
what the fish are going for. Yeah, it's almost cheating, too. And yeah, like, like I said, much, even, yeah. even if they're not feeding, they'll protect their bed at any cost. It's like, hey, get out of here. Yeah, so they'll attack your lure if you drop it down on it. I'm sure you either have to know seasonally where those beds are. Get oh, yeah. Really lucky. Oh, yeah. It's very seasonal. Yeah. Because I know, like, my cousin and, well, I mean, tons and tons of people, my uncles and everybody out there that has boats, has the fish finders on their on their boats. And they can, they, it's like a range finder and they can see where fish are. Yeah. yeah I've seen that. Underneath them. Those are pretty rad. So Everyone I mean, had I imagine there. that would help in a situation like that. <laughs> but if, unless you know where those beds are, that's probably pretty difficult to find them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we I were imagine. using them and they, they do put them, they can't put them too deep because it gets too cold for the eggs. Fall, so they yeah. had to put it relatively close to the surface and they like to try to put them in between like where bushes and roots are yeah so big um prey you know big uh, predators can't come in and try to eat the eggs so, yeah so. wow that's interesting man all right dylan so you were a dock boy what happened after that well after that well there was a lot <laughs> Um, Man, that I saw the crazy Minnesota. stuff. It was just a beautiful place. If anybody ever wants to go see Minnesota, I'm telling you to go do it. Forget the cities. The cities are beautiful. They're awesome and cool. But I'm telling you, go up to northern Minnesota, northeast Minnesota on the Arrowhead, near the North Shore. Just do it. Gunflint Lake, Gunflint Trail, Voyagers National Park. Do it. It's amazing. Um, and especially being out there on Lake Superior. It's incredible. So... Um, well, before we go on to the Nets thing on uh, what you did, uh, I kind of want to take a short break to kind of connect this to uh, what, what I like yeah, to right talk on. about here on the Fractal Exploratorium. So as you just mentioned about cities, not being a big fan of the cities, you're pretty used to the pretty like backwater, like rural areas. Absolutely. Did, did you ever run into anyone that did off-grid stuff anywhere that you went in any of your travels? Um. <laughs> I did actually. I guess I had uh, I had several people um, just actually up there in Minnesota too. Uh, a couple of people who bought land out there and wanted to do something different for themselves that was not on the system on the grid, and they wanted to have their you know own supplies, uh, you know, and 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 own you know um, source of electricity, whatever you know. Um, they wanted to do it, and they actually did. They got land out there and started on those projects. I haven't heard much else from them, but uh, um, I know that people were out there to, uh, wanting to do that, and we're continuing uh, doing that. So, yeah. And it's it's doable. That's the thing. Very much so, is yeah. That you, when you go out there and you probably saw people that are really doing it. Yeah, And, and I it's did. not like some pipe dream thing. It's, exactly. it's a doable concept. It, it, it is. And, and it gains what I call economic freedom. Absolutely. Freedom from the stranglehold of having to pay bills and absolutely having to live, not live the life you want to live. Exactly. exactly. And that's kind of what you've been doing. You've been living the life you want to live. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of crazy when you think about how many places you've gone and traveled and <laughs> the things you've seen. Yeah. It's kind of a different lifestyle. Yeah, totally. There's um, there's a lot of people out there that are really getting into that um, nowadays, especially because they know, you know, hey, we don't have to live this life. We don't we, we don't have to, you know, conform to society's standards. We live out here. We love it out here. We want to do this, and let's let's make it worth, you know, our time and effort to make something that works for us instead of us working for it. And you're the type of person that prefers to be connected. Yeah, with your environment, and I, I know one of the reasons you hate the city is because you're not connected. You're disconnected exactly. from it. Exactly. Uh, cities yeah. have become effectively their own biome with their own uh, biodiversity and own domesticated animals that come with it. Absolutely. Mm. I was gonna say it's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what he wanted to say, guys. Sorry. I was gonna say that to cut you off. You just said something, Dylan. You said, why not create something that works for us instead of us working for them? And that's literally the opening words to DJ's Earthship lecture. Is, wow. What is if I really? told you there was a house that <laughs> could Smart house. essentially do something for you instead of us you know, keeping Absolutely. it alive. Yeah, you totally yes. can. And that's the whole theme of, of what I talked about with the architecture I want to create. Yeah, that's awesome. 
and and, and they do that and that has they to do, do with um cities so uh cities are basically just a yes a, a more cool. interconnected web and network of different type of architecture that functions in a certain way absolutely and that function is made to conform to societal standards not to your type of lifestyle absolutely when it works because if you were to try to go out there and buy you know rent houses and you got to do a certain lease and yeah you know, you can't just pass through. There isn't any infrastructure for you to pass through like that. A lot that of hoops to jump through. And you got to go through a lot. So um, this brings us into what, what you did after you were in the dock. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, after that, I ended up um, going out to this beautiful place in California in the Sierra Nevada. It's called Mammoth I thought you were going to say I ended up going out with this beautiful girl. <laughs> and then life just This beautiful ended. Russian girl up in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't do that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, went out to Mammoth Lakes, California to work at Mammoth Mountain. Um, it is uh, it is located in, well, I'm going to say South Central California. It's the Sierra Nevadas, right? It is the Sierra Nevadas. Uh, it's, the, it's more like the southern part of the Sierra Nevadas out near Mount Whitney, which is, as you know, the tallest mountain in the uh, contiguous... Uh, United States of America. What's the elevation of it? It is, uh, well, it's, it's over 14. I can't remember the exact number. All I know about Mammoth is that they get, like, ass tons of snow. And we like, had one of the best winters, 2016-17. was incredible. We had a record-breaking month of, in January where we received... Um, well, just over 246 inches of snow, and if you guys don't know what that is, that's uh, I believe it's 20 feet. That's a lot of snow. It's literally One like month. when when I see pictures of Mammoth because I have so many friends that snowboard and actually go up to Mammoth and have passes there. Lot, and when I yeah. see videos and it's pictures great. and stuff, like you'll be in the car driving down the road and there's <laughs> <clears throat> literally just walls, 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 like yep. 10. 15 feet high walls even of higher. snow on the side of like the road and <laughs> I've never, it, it seemed like something out of right out of a movie or something and it, it's real yes so do you want to explain to us why they get so much snow well yes um well for the most part they are uh, they're in california and as you know that is the coastal state on the western part of the united states and um, we have the big Pacific Ocean that brings down a lot of heavy, wet systems and uh, in the winter months, brings a lot of moisture, a lot of moisture from storms. And they come down and they come down from uh, Alaska and uh, not just from, not just from Alaska, but you know from the whole Pacific Ocean. And they have heavy wet storms that move through. And they dump a lot of rain on uh, all that western part and central parts of California and come in and hit the Sierra Nevadas and just absolutely wreak snow hell on the Sierra Nevadas. <laughs> and it just goes crazy. And storms last not just hours, not just days, but for weeks. I've seen storms last, man, I, I think it was a week and a half. It snowed every single day. I remember it was either raining, yes, raining in January, or snowing, or doing whatever. That's it did insane. absolutely everything you can imagine. And that stuff doesn't melt off for so long. I know Mammoth no. that same year you're talking about, last year, or maybe you were there two years ago. But it was two years ago. Last year, they were open until like June or July. We actually no, we were open until August. I closed last chair on oh, chair twenty three there. That's August fifth. Unreal. 5th. Unbelievable. Snowboarding oh. on August first. Yeah. Yep. August fifth actually. It's probably like ninety five <laughs> degrees outside. Actually it was uh, pretty warm. It was like uh, I believe it was like I think our closing day was like sixty five degrees on, you know, over ten thousand feet. Yeah, it was super Which is warm for up there. Absolutely, the sun was shining. There was only one death strip of snow left, and you could say that was about two feet of uh, snow that was pushed together. Yeah, that's all they had left. But you know what was crazy is that there's a train park that I was gonna uh, say it's enough to ride a park. Well, I'll tell you, they set up a few jibs 
which is a couple like rails and boxes, things, you know, to go have fun out there on the train parks out mm-hmm. in the mountains. You know, these mountains have great train parks. That's where it pretty much originated was there in California, you know, from skate culture. Yeah, Private I mean, when it gets into those later months and it's not like backcountry, you know, skiing, it's, it's a incredible. lot about that jib. And that's why people here in Arizona up in Flag do so much, you know, oh, jib, yeah. jib sashing and so much, you know, terrain park riding is because yeah. there's just simply not... Not a you know, it's lot. not Montana here. We don't yeah. have, you know, mm-hmm. buckets of snow dumping in the backcountry. Absolutely. We're kind of doing what we have, you know, with what we're given. Yeah, and make it really work, you know. I mean, um, it's what they it's what they do up there, you know. Um, like I said, uh, snow was falling up until June, and it kept coming, it kept coming, it kept coming. And, you know, they're like, hey, let's uh, stay open until the latest we could ever imagine. And that's uh, early August when there's... Bikes going up with snowboarders and skiers. It's really cool. Um, yeah, we were open for a while. The terrain park, like I said, down to the main lodge was open up until July 4th. We were snowboarding in the terrain parks down at the bottom. Very That's crazy. Insane. Yeah. And uh, a couple of buddies visited me out there. Um, Pat, good man. My buddy. Pat Ford came out and visited me out there. Oh, man, we had a great time, and uh, props to that. It was sweet. Good luck looking up Pat Ford on the internet, people. <laughs> yeah, it's the most right. generic name of all time. Yeah, good luck. Patrick Ford. He must be very, very, uh, like, He's a good just American. Very much so. That last name is very is legendary. Ford American? You know? It's got to be. Well, it is. Of course, man. So Ford. I want to ask you a question, and I'm just going to ask it now because I'm trying to get to the end of your journey before I ask it, but I feel like we're not even halfway there. <laughs> it's all good. So I want to know, since we're already 41 minutes into this podcast and, you know, kind of have, you know, like 20-ish left, I want to know before it's too late, all about your living situations. I want to yeah. know the worst living situation. I want to know your <laughs> best living situation. I want to know wow. your worst story roommates. Time. I want to know the shackiest place you lived. I want to know the Dutch shit story. The place that you lived <laughs> where you had man. no electricity. Like I want to know all oh, the stories. Boy. I mean, what this was could it, where, go forever. were they different? Was it different from state to state? Was it you know were there bugs? I mean, I'm I'm just curious well, to know about all. Of yeah, it. absolutely. They all ranged in uh, different uh, living situations and housings, and um, yeah, like I said, uh, <laughs> different prices different uh roommate situations bunk houses i've lived in it all the first place i was uh in colorado that was a that was a dorm housing uh actually it was a three-bedroom apartments and uh, you actually had your own lockable room it was great uh it was pretty cheap uh 450 for your own room great situation um i liked it my roommates were actually pretty good pretty good people um derek and natalie yep we had fun um but uh you know, it was a big party hall. A lot of parties. A lot of <laughs> crazy people getting crazy situations. A lot of drinking. A lot of you know, yes, drugs. Um, but things get a little hairy. Um, but it was fun. I was in Minnesota. That was a um, a bunk situation. Um, not bad though, because we had a little a little apartments there near a dog yard. Yes, for dog sledding, uh, they do that in Minnesota. And there was a lot of dogs. Uh, dog sledding. Dog is, sledding. Is that where Balto came from? That's where <laughs> Balto came from. <laughs> no, I was actually there in Balto in Alaska. Really? Yes, did you I see went the statue? saw it. I did. No way. Is it real? It exists. No shit. It, it does. based off a real story. Yeah, uh, that's Balto. what I heard. But when I saw that goddamn movie in like <laughs> based off, school, based off, it's freaking. Like, there's no way cool. this happened. Based, no. based off. This dog did not talk to people. No, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> they had to happened. deliver medicine. I'm pretty sure they had <laughs> oh, to deliver dude. medicine to a town or something. No, Alaska. That's yes. where they had to. That's where they were going. It, you know, and Nome. Uh, that is actually where all that dog sledding started. We're getting really off subject here. Well, we can go totally into fine. we can go into your living situation in Alaska because everyone sees that as a brutal environment, endless nights. So yes, elaborate on that a little oh, bit for sure. Um, but anyway, after the Minnesota situation, I went to Mammoth and you know blah blah blah. We had you know our own room there. Um, but Nick was saying about what crazy situations I got into. I do have a really funny story. Let's hear it. You guys want to hear that first? Yeah, I think I think we should. So, okay, I had a couple roommates. Uh, these are guys. Uh, this one guy had was he was a little he was a little wild. Uh, he 
he was uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should mention names nah nah don't do that <laughs> but <laughs> throw him right under the right bus. under the bus <laughs> no I'm not gonna do that um, so anyway uh, he was a little hot headed and um, you know I had another roommate from New York and he was a little uh, you know he was out there you know everyone they were just trying to have a good time well one night uh, this clashed heads and uh, <laughs> they got a little drunk and Ended up uh, in a headbutting situation that uh, ended up not going very well, and it was a, a, a ensued fight that broke out. And I'm sitting there going, "Can we just be peace?" Yeah, yeah. I'm like, Dylan is the most I'm unfighting like, person. That's so the you. Hell? That's so you. Oh man! And so they broke out in a fight. You know, they're sitting there screaming at each other, blah, 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 "F you, man!" Blah, blah blah blah. You know. And I'm sitting there going. This is exactly what shit happens. I <laughs> wish I would have had my own damn place so I didn't have to deal with this. Anyway, so one of them ended up getting fired. Bye-bye. See you later, man. Well. <laughs> okay, so now I'm left with one roommate, the guy from New York. All right. Um, well, one night he decided to pop a lot of acid. <laughs> As you do. Do coke, and drink, whatever he was doing. Wow. He ended up going to a, a pool, and he... <laughs> he was tripping on a lot of acid man oh, broke it they broke into a pool his wallet ends up at the bottom of this pool his phone is smashed against the wall there and they have his id and everything so instantly oh, you're just i mean you're busted he yeah. comes running home right this is three in the morning i'm laying in my room and all of a sudden i hear this banging on the door boom 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 Dylan, I'm dying. I'm dying. I need help. Help me. And I'm I'm like, what the What time was this? Is this? What time was it? This at? is like 3, 3 30 and in you the were morning. Asleep. Oh, I was totally asleep. I'd be so pissed. I had to work the next morning. Yeah. This dude is butt ass naked at the door, <laughs> screaming. His eyes are huge. He freaks me out. I'm f i am I still have trauma. How cold this. was it outside? He's, oh, it was he's a blizzard. And, and how cold it was, was a blizzard. it? How oh, cold? I believe it was like 15, 20 degrees maybe. And he was Wait, naked out there. how the hell did he, pool? Was he, he ran, a heated pool? He ran a half a mile. He ran a half a mile from this place. Yeah. Was it in a, heated, a blizzard. Was it a heated pool? It was It was a jacuzzi. Dude, his but he still feet, got out. He got out and was still covered in water. Like not dried off. Exactly. So oh my yes. God. And he said he was yelling at me. My feet, they're falling off. They're falling. He was tripping. He took six hits of acid, is what he ended up Holy telling me. The next shit. He didn't get hypothermia from any of this. No, I, no, he didn't. I don't know how. It because probably because he was running and keeping his you know blood temp that's up. Fucking, that's fucking crazy. But anyway, so he's freaking out and yelling and screaming and yelling and screaming and he runs in my room and I give him a bottle of water and he opens it up, throws it all around my room, makes my whole room wet. I'm like so pissed off at this point. I'm like, all right, dude, look. <laughs> We got to do something about this. And I'm like, I'm trying we, to calm him down. We got to do something about this. We got to do something. Anyway, the RAs come and they come running in their door and they're banging on it going, you know, what the hell is going on in here? And there's Steve freaking out. And it, I mean, oops, I still just, naked? I guess that is his name. Oh, it's fine. It's all good. Uh, Steve's a pretty normal name. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, Steve, I don't look. think anybody, you know, I don't think Steve from New York is going to listen to this. And I doubt it. hundred percent. Um, <laughs> And uh, anyway, so he runs into the bathtub to try to warm himself up. He's freaking That's out. That's kind of what I would have thought I would do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, he's in there freaking trying to pull the thing off, saying, sitting there yelling, we're going to Mars. We need potable water. We need potable water. We're going to Mars. I don't know where potable water came in. I really don't. But he's sitting there freaking I out, didn't. grabbing the shower curtain. He poured the shower curtain off the wall. He's freaking out, yelling at me like I need to come with him and save him. He's like, you're the only person I can trust right now. Who's going to drive this ship? <laughs> oh, might I add you, he's screaming at the top of his lungs the entire time. Four in the morning now. RAs come in, call the cops. Here come the cops. Cops come in. Wait, are you serious? Uh, yes. This happened? This is a true story. Holy shit. So the RAs come and you were like, you answer the door and you're like, I know. I, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I was literally just like, they're like, have you been taking drugs too? I'm like, dude, no, no, I'm not the problem here. I've been sleeping and he comes running up freaking, you know, this is not me. This is like my, it's not me. And, uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, so the cops come in and, you know, they, they go around the corner and he's sitting there in the bathtub butt naked. Still? Oh, he, yeah. I mean, 
he took out. six taps. I mean, oh, he's just th- there's he's got to be. He doesn't even know where he is. He doesn't. Yeah. Re- I mean, realistically, no he probably had no touch of reality. None. I mean, he was he was just berserk, man. It was insane. I've never seen anybody. It scares me. It literally scares me. So anyway, cops come in. And they grab him out of the bathtub and chain him down to this one freaking uh, wheelchair-looking thing. Yeah, they brought everything for this kid because he was just just zonked. He was in another planet. He was saying, we're going to Mars. I believe it. I believe I, I, I actually he, believe he, he thought, thought he was really going. I think so. He wasn't even saying it as like a high person. No, he was probably, he probably going. Really he was straight it. up going to Mars. So like, what Crazy. happened the next day? So they take him away? Did they take him like to the... You know, drunk tank or acid yes. tank. <laughs> yeah, they took him to the hospital. Yeah, that's what I would have tried to clean him out. But uh, that doesn't work with acid. <laughs> no, I was going to say, you kind of just got to wait that one out. Well, you do. And uh, anyway, well, the next day he comes back and you can just tell there's shame written all over his face. Uh, yeah, he was embarrassed. Very. Um, and he could he barely talked to me. Did you say they sorry? Kicked him out. Did he even know what he did? He don't. He didn't remember anything. Really? They mm-hmm. kicked him out? They kicked him out. How do you oh, know yeah. to he be, got fired. How do you know to be ashamed that people like, when he wake up, like chained to like the bed or something in the hospital? I'm not sure. Like, come not to, exactly like what sure. the hell happened? I never really got that Dylan's straight. like, uh, I don't know. He kind of like got kicked out of the dorm. I never it, saw him again. Yeah, he kind of got freaking fired and arrested. Dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he got trespassing, I think. Well, he was, uh, you trespassed. They found his wallet and his phone smashed against a wall. Yeah, and at that point, when you're on that many drugs, Busted. they're trying to find something to, like, fuck you over with. Busted. And uh, anyway, so, yeah, um, yeah, I ended up getting a uh, free RA position out of that. They made me an RA, resident advisor, resident assistant. Mm-hmm. Assistant. And um, she was like, wow, you really handled this whole situation really well. You seem like a great person. Would you like to be the RA for this floor? I said, like, and that's how they rope you in. Yes. See, kids, don't so do maybe. drugs. <laughs> yes, don't do drugs. You will be a loser. You can either be I the dude be who, who gets taken away by us naked to the hospital and gets fired or Bye-bye. the dude who gets promoted. <laughs> Boom. I ended up getting free rent, which was awesome. That place was and 650 a month. And free rent. Yes, and free rent. And you don't have to pay for drugs. Yeah, she pretty much is like, oh, would you like to be the RA? I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd like to be. She, <laughs> I, she goes, I go, well, what does this entail for me? And she goes, well, first off, you get free rent. Yep, boom, sign me up. <laughs> All right, Dill. So um, to kind of move things along, that was a crazy story you had. Yes. Um, that was I, awesome. I kind of want to wrap it up with your There's experience with, with going to Costa Rica. And cause wow. Costa Rica is an extremely sustainable type of uh, country. They have a lot of different rules and really crazy um, preservation laws Costa that I heard Rica. about. So, uh, just kind of explain your, your connection to it and why you went to Costa Rica. Yeah, um, while I was working at this place called the North Star um, California, which is a ski resort in Lake Tahoe, North Lake Tahoe, and Truckee, um, I met this beautiful person um, named Sylvia. She still happens to be my girlfriend now. And uh, Sylvia, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> um. Amo. she's from Costa Rica, and uh, I ended up, you know, meeting her and uh, dating, and you know, we got into a, a relationship, and we kept with it. Um, so she went back to Costa Rica, and I was like, man, well, I've got to go there. I've got to go see her. I've got to go check out Costa Rica. Um, she's from a small town north of San Jose, um, Alajuela, and the the town is called Sarzero. Um, it's a beautiful high country, a high elevation um, part of Costa Rica up in the mountains, uh, Alfaro Ruiz. It's very beautiful. If anyone's ever going to Costa Rica, it is an incredible place, uh, very popular for a tourist destination, very popular with Americans. So what do you know about the conservation efforts of the natural ecosystem there? <laughs> well... They they use a lot of natural um, pesticides, things like that. Um, they they do a lot of things that you know. It's just it's it's very impressive. Um, you know, I I haven't quite looked into 
a whole lot. Well, just I want to know about your personal experience. You said there was a lot of trees in like Topoary where you were. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> it's very green, very beautiful. A um, lot of rain. They get a lot of rain. Um, they have s- several seasons there. It's wet and dry. They have a wet season and a dry season. As you yeah, know, they don't have a hot location. and cold. It's just wet and dry season. That's right. Um, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Very, very green when I went there. And um, wow, when was I there? Oh, I believe I first went there in October, and it was just beautiful. Everything was green and running with water and flowing. And oh man, it was insane and you know, wet. And oh man, it was awesome. Um, and we ended up going to um, the Pacific side and the Caribbean side. And I got to visit both the coasts, and it was incredible, man. I mean, we went to the, the Caribbean, and we went down all, all the way down to uh, near Panama. Oh, man, it was just incredible. The, the views and the, the volcanoes and, and all the wildlife and everything was just, it, blew, it blows your mind. I mean, it, it sounds literally out of a picture book. It's everything you would imagine when you, you know, went to school and, uh, it's awesome. Um, anyway, so we went to both sides and you know, what was funny is that usually uh, in that time of year, they say like the Caribbean is super wet and always raining. And that was actually the dry, it was, it didn't, I don't think it rained at all. The whole, well, you know, during the dry season. Yeah. We were there for, I think like, oh man, like three, four or five days, something like that, just under a week. And it never rained. It was so beautiful. Oh man. We went and saw everything there. And, um, you know, um, like the, I believe it was Cahuita National Forest. Um, oh man. We, it was so beautiful down there. We were going to go to Bocas del Toro and Bocas del Toro is, uh, it's like a little little province over there in panama um but we didn't get a chance to go there but we went to cajuita and puerto viejo de talamanca very beautiful um yeah if you uh if you ever you know get a chance to go out to costa rica do as much traveling as you can while you're out there and visit all sides because it's not even that big of a country really. it's not very big of a country at all um but there's a lot to see uh it's very beautiful San Jose is a city. It's really interesting. A lot of culture. There's a lot of culture in Costa Rica. Um, I was blessed to, you know, go there with uh, my girlfriend, and you know, she's um, she's a tica. Yeah, she's a you know, she's from there, and you know, I got to go there and um, see a whole side of that. A lot of people probably never get to see. Be with locals. Be with people, her family that have been there, for, you know, for generations, and finally get to see. The yeah, it's not just like a tourism people. thing. It's like you're actually living the culture. Exactly. I got to actually see these things and see it from their their point of view. And I got to see a different side of life that I never imagined living here in the United States. You don't you don't know what's going on everywhere. It's an eye-opening and a, a mind-opening experience. You know, you you don't realize how good you actually have things until you go somewhere else and you, oh my you gosh, really yes. see we get so complacent in our thoughts and like what oh, we yeah. th- what we have here and and what we don't really even have to do here oh it's compared it's, to what people have to do in other places it, absolutely so dylan would you say that experience kind of made you open to different ways of living how is it there there isn't just this <laughs> one social economic standard absolutely that's been set for us and that through your travels you've kind of discovered that there's vast amount of different lifestyles. Even just in America, I'm pretty sure you met with a bunch of people of vastly different lifestyles. Exactly. Even without going to Costa Rica, you like you said you met a bunch of immigrants and oh, oh absolutely people that were on on uh, the work visa. Yes. Like, like your girlfriend was on. Yeah, J1 visas. Yeah, I was uh, working up there at North Star Ski Resort, um, Mammoth Mountain, and um, yeah, I got to meet a lot of people. Um, even at the lake in Minnesota, there was Jamaicans. Uh, three Jamaican women. They were they were crazy. I mean, they were hilarious though. Had a good time. Uh, you know, I got to see a lot of these different sides of our, our culture um, and of human beings, and it was amazing. Uh, the, all the J ones from Peru, you know, Costa Rica, Argentina, you know, Chile. You know, 
I never knew. I never knew anybody from there. I never got to socialize. But once you got to actually work with these people and meet them and see them and and hear their stories and hear their side of life, man, it was uh, it was just uh, a beautiful experience. That why I say work and travel an is a beautiful thing, eye opening experience. I'm telling you, anybody who gets a chance to go travel to work and do things, so. Do it. As we come to a close here, uh, I just want to say a couple of closing statements and, uh, and just tell you about how I think this fits into my idea of fractal architecture. So your lifestyle yeah. is kind of the antithesis of a lifestyle that isn't generic, that isn't well-defined, a super linear lifestyle so most people they they grew up on a linear path you, yeah you're expected to just go through the school systems yeah. go to college <laughs> and get a career get a family and it's this kind of linear path that we kind of it's kind of the precedent we set for the way we're supposed to live <laughs> exactly and humans don't naturally we're, we're not naturally a sanitary species when we evolved we were a species of wanderers Absolutely. explorers and roamers yeah. we we seek to explore past our area of comfort to go outside of our comfort zone and to do things that have never been discovered and never been done before. Uh, we're, we're wanderers at heart and we seek to explore. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the driving forces that um, I don't explore around the country as much, but that drives me to explore the cosmos, to explore higher concepts, uh, concepts that aren't you know, super generic uh, to our, to our society, exactly. our socioeconomic system. And, what I believe is that fractal architecture is a type of architecture which will allow people to live non-linear and dynamic sorts of lifestyles like yourself and allow people to have the freedom to be able to go out and explore this world in its fullest. Absolutely. And, and live life to its fullest because 100%, sitting man, here as beautiful. a sanitary species and uh, linear houses are rigid houses and rigid social economic standards mm -hmm. we don't allow ourselves to live the full life that we've been given on this earth by being born we have uh Absolutely. people are called a god-given right uh if you believe in that sort of stuff but even without that in name uh it's a birthright that yeah we are born into this world scientists we're born in this world explorers yeah and our society sucks it out of us it's, and it's 100 percent true and, and what fractal what fractal architecture wants to do is free people from the limits of a rigid social economic system and to allow oh, people wow. to it, explore the cosmos explore themselves and become to a state of self-actualization i'm a believer and i 100 percent uh I love uh, what you're doing. I think that's great. Um, and like I said, it opens your eyes to other things, other possibilities. When you get out there and, and do these things, and when you actually are out there doing them, it makes you realize that you, you know we don't have everything. We mm -hmm. don't have everything here. Do you have this guy sitting here selling you uh, snacks? You know, right in the middle of the road, who's uh, you know. You have a conversation with them, and he's a beautiful, beautiful person. D do you, do you really think we have that guy sitting here? No, we don't. No, we have homeless people begging for money on the street corners, though. Yeah, that's true. Exactly, and, and that's a systemic <laughs> issue that's created from our monetary-based system. They get out there and hustle. <laughs> yeah, they, they are do. all hustling down there. But it, it, it's not about that. It's the, the fact that you know when we think that we have it all. We don't have, like I said, we don't have that guy right so, there. So what's that your, guy is, you know, he's beautiful. He's a beautiful person. What, you know, what's, Dylan, what's your biggest piece of advice for people who want to live this kind of lifestyle? A lot of people think it's impossible to go out there and do what you want. Everyone feels the social pressure to go and get a career. And they think what your type of lifestyle is impossible. But here you are years later, you've been doing it. What's your biggest piece of advice for people that want to do it? Um... You know, <laughs> it's all about making it happen. Uh, you really have to. You really have to drop what you're doing and and go do it. It's a kind of a leap of faith. It's a leap of faith, man. Uh, you know, if you want, if you want to do it, you really have to believe. You know, believe in um, in, in your dreams. You really have to believe in yourself and say, well, I, I and, and not be afraid to make those jumps and say, hey, look, this might be a risk, but. 
it's worth taking. Right. Very worth. And it always will lead you to the next path and so on and so forth. It is an adventure in itself and it's something that I wish everyone could do but you know it I guess it w- it won't be for everybody because they don't see things the same way. Well the the thing is it's not for everybody. It's kind of yeah. we spoke about it's it dinner before do. this that people don't really understand when you tell them yeah. that you are avid about nature and it's uh-huh. it, your life revolves yeah. around it. They don't understand it. They can't grasp the fact that that's a real thing. Right. Cuz yeah. for me and to most people nature is just a hobby. It's just somewhere we go to yeah to take Instagram pictures, but yeah. for you, it's like an actual yeah. real. Thing. Well, it, it should it's, be like that yeah. for all of us. It's abs- it's absolutely insane that we've disconnected ourselves. And like you were saying yeah. that, 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 that's a hobby. That's ridiculous. This is our natural earth that we are born on. Yeah. And the fact that we feel this disconnected from it proves that our architecture and our social economic system is a vastly, extremely out of touch with the earth's natural ecosystems and that oh yeah i hope through stories like dylan's and through thinking like yours that more people can come to the realization that we need to come back to our 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 homes so to speak and that our definition of home is 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 wrong and you should know that because you know (laughs) and and people say on cliche stuff like home is where the heart is i don't believe in that kind of cliche bumper sticker no type saying but like Home really is where you make it. It and, really is. And nature, being connected yeah. to it, makes you feel a belongingness. Yeah, it's like where your people are from, you know. Mostly I feel connection to where I am, you know, from in the city that I was I was born and raised because, you know, my friends and my family are here. You know, but you, you also say make that, the, but I don't believe that. Oh, come on, man. I don't think that you mostly feel connection here. I, I watched you try and say that you were going to stay here for a month yes. and then literally yes. just disappear out the back door a day later because you literally couldn't live here. I think it, no, I, it, it <laughs> you know, yes, but I'm just saying that as like for the people who I do love and I, I get to see you guys and yeah. it's, uh, it's really, it's a good place to, to come and just, and, and, and for me to visit. And just kind of get to see everybody. But if we all didn't live in this rigid type of society, you wouldn't be saying that. We wouldn't all be stuck in one place. We would all be out explorers like you were. Absolutely, yeah. That's true. Bands of people and families used to go out and explore together. Yeah. You know, it's funny. when uh, (laughs) uh, I was driving down the road and I was like, oh, man. You know, I love how the trees, you know, uh, they're, you know, right now this time of year in here in Phoenix, you know, they're like yellow, like the Palo Verde trees. And I'm like, oh, that's that's so pretty. I was like, oh, I love this time of year. And then I go, you know what's funny? None of this is actually wasn't here. It's not real. This is all planted. (laughs) It probably was like that before, but this is all city. We made all this. True, but it could eventually like remake itself and exactly like yeah pollinated repropagation. But I was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And then I was like, "Uh, yeah, it's so fake. And I and and it's and it's the reason it is fake is because the the rigidity of how yeah. it's constructed and yeah I keep coming back to it but this is kind of connecting the dots of what Fractal Exploratorium is about mm-hmm. and it's that that wow. need to return to nature that need to return to our basic instinct to explore the world and explore the cosmos within Absol- us yeah, absolutely man we got a lot to talk about uh, I could go on yeah. I got a lot more to tell you guys actually but all uh, right Dylan well. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast and hey. sharing your beautiful stories of so, beautiful like places back. and beautiful people. And yes, I would love to have you back after. I mean, you have plenty of more stories and you're, you're going to go and continue your exploration. And I am. It's not over yet. Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm actually going up to uh, Telluride, Colorado. Uh, one of the most beautiful places in uh, the United States. Well, I, I hope you have a ton more beautiful stories to share with us next time. Definitely. Uh, I will. We'll check in again. Absolutely. I will continue the uh, the fun stuff. Thanks, Dill. Thank You're you, welcome, Dill. guys. Definitely.